0: Well, here we are once again, and it's time to welcome Dr. Andrew Corbett into the studio. It is another Life Matters discussion. A very good morning to you, Andrew.
1: Yes, good morning, Dave. Uh, Thank you very much. And you're looking very fit, trim, and taut at the moment. I can see the the impact of your uh, physical fitness regime is paying off. Well done. And... Uh, just before we we do introduce our topic and get into today's discussion i wanted to thank some of our new sponsors the cheesecake shop coming on board as a sponsor thank you very much to the cheesecake shop so if you're looking for a cake i know this is probably not a hard sell actually (laughs) if you're looking for a cake give the cheesecake shop a call and and uh, have a look at their cheesecake shops they are one of our family's favorite shops actually so that is not a hard sell at all but let them know that you heard them on FM, and also thanks to some of our our long-term faithful sponsors i think of the the quilt and pillow factory got to be a little bit careful how you say that uh, thank you very much to Graeme king and his support with his business so if you're Duna is looking a little bit sad. Take it down to Graham at the Quilt and Pillow Factory in Infamay Road and let him know that you heard about his business on YFM as well. And also, thank you to Michael Harvey, a a tremendous supporter of of YFM, MDH Accounting. Uh, Consider uh, your taxation position and business planning and and have a look at uh, our station sponsor, MDH Accounting. So, thank you very much to the sponsors. Also, just wanted to mention something that I alluded to last week. It's just after I got off air. I think it was the later that day, or the next day, that we discovered that the I, I, the case against or the allegation against uh, Archbishop Julius, uh, Julian Portius uh, has now proceeded, and this is this is stunning. This is absolutely stunning. It it is a, 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 a It is a glaring fault in the anti-discrimination legislation that anyone can simply claim that they were offended by someone else's actions or comments. This is totally absurd, and I would appeal to the Premier, Mr. Will Hodgman, and to the Parliament that this clause regarding offensive... Uh, what people find offensive, must be removed from the act. Th- this is just absurd. Um, Offence is is something that that we're all going to experience throughout life. Offence simply means, uh, in one sense, that uh, we don't like what we're hearing. And, you know, um, uh, you you may be a little bit, uh, Dave, I'm sure you'd appreciate this, Some, someone may point out to you, you know, you're a little on the heavy set side of the physique regime and you could be offended by that you could but the reality is you, you may be you, you may not be but you may be and what they say doesn't actually change the fact and i want to be clear we're not talking about permitting people to be deliberately malicious we are certainly not talking about that but what we are talking about is when someone says something that the majority of people do not find offensive, and someone chooses to take offence or claims they take offence from it, society will will grind to a, a an unfair halt, which is the irony of this anti-discrimination act. It it is actually going to discriminate against things such such values that that we hold, such as free speech. Again, we're not saying people should be rude or people should spread hate or or injure people in any way. But this claim, that simply because Archbishop Portius simply stated that marriage is between a man and a woman and that children fare best when raised by their married parents, you may disagree with it. You may not like that statement. But to claim that this man should be penalized by the state uh, under this anti-discrimination act is utterly absurd and if this it's the first time in the western world actually something like this has happened and if this if this is allowed to proceed this will at least make us a laughing stock but also put a very sober tone into the idea of free speech and we will be greatly curtailed if it Goes ahead. So I just wanted to say that uh, day before we we get going on today's discussion.
0: Well, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. Lots of things going on, but today, Andrew, we're talking about five things every child needs from their parents.
1: Yeah, and I know there's lots of children who think they need a new iPod or a new this, that, or the other, or some computer game thingamajiggy. But there are five things that every child really needs from their parents. These things are consistent. They're across the board. Doesn't matter. What culture you come from—it doesn't matter. What your family of origin or anything like that. There are five universal things that every child needs, and to introduce this and to really make the case, it's—it's been brought home by the—the fact that my wife is a—is a teacher, Kim, who works in the office at ICI College, and then occasionally does things outside of that. She's currently supervising year 11 and 12 exams. But as as we're talking with uh, fellow teachers, particularly primary school teachers, and asking them, what's the toughest part of your job? They all say the same thing. It's not the teaching. It's not the correcting and marking and report writing, as tedious as that is for a teacher. It's actually the the behaviour of the students, classroom management, the behaviour of students. And if you ask them why, as we did recently, we met a very experienced teacher just uh, the other day, and we asked her, you know, how you're going and how you like, you know, your position in school. And and she said, look, it's become really, really difficult. And this was actually the discussion yet again. And the discussion was the the behaviour of students is making her job so stressful, so difficult. And then Kim just asked the question, what do you put that down to? And without hesitation, she said, family breakdown. Family breakdown has had a huge impact on, on the behavior of students. Now, you, you've just you, you asked, I, I would just suggest to people if, if you know, you might doubt this, but I would suggest ask any primary school teacher what is the toughest part of your job and you'll probably discover the same thing ask them the next question why do you think these the behavior of these children is just it just seems to be getting worse and they'll probably tell you what we're hearing as well and that is that where there's family breakdown there's a direct impact on the well-being the emotional well-being the mental health well-being and the behavior of students in their classroom so it's th- there's a, a saying it goes like this broken homes produce broken children and in my experience as a marriage counselor someone who prepares lots of people for marriage and we take a, and i've mentioned this before we, we take a great deal of time and this is one of the reasons why we take so much time to prepare a couple for their marriage rather than their wedding is because it it actually has a direct bearing on their overall well-being and the well-being of their potential children. And so this is a this is a saying that I've seen validated over and over again and I'm sure just about any school teacher can put their hand up and verify this as well. Broken homes produce broken children. I was hanging out with a group of uh, really really smart guys, all PhDs, minimum PhDs, many of them multiple PhDs. And, in each case, they as I got talking with them, it came up about marriage and family and raising children, and they all said, "Look, we know our stuff, but when it comes to relationships, we're lousy <laughs> we're lousy, so just because you're particularly smart doesn't mean you're necessarily relationally smart, and I want to give hope I want to give some reasons in this discussion to show." how you can actually work on your relationship in your marriage and in your children but let's
0: come back after this music break don't forget too that you can listen to our discussion live now on our website wayfm.org.au all you need to do is click listen live it's as simple as that wayfm good morning wayfm for your wednesday we're talking with dr andrew corbett as we do every wednesday morning and today andrew we're introducing five things every child needs from their parents Yes and we are doing just that we're introducing
1: it because I have to put this foundation in place so that people get the five things because it may sound like I'm going to be talking about material things or certain very common things that perhaps a child might list superficially but we'll we'll come back to that in a moment but I, so I really need to put this foundation in place I've mentioned as I began to introduce the the motive for discussing this that this this uh, uh, cliche this saying that broken homes produce broken children, and I mentioned that you know teachers are increasingly finding their job very very difficult because of the behavior of children, which they attribute largely to broken homes where mum and dad have uh, separated divorced whatever and th- this actually highlights a myth, and I can say that as a a marriage counsel, and I've had to deal with some extremely difficult marriage situations. Some of which we've been able to help uh, pull back from the brink and restore, and basically send them off with a what is essentially skills that give them a, a completely new marriage. But that that actually takes a fair bit of work. But this is one of the things I've encountered when when dealing with with a couple that get to the point where they they just could not be bothered. It's just beyond them they actually begin to justify the idea of divorcing. And this is where there, there is a myth, and all of the data points to this myth. And, and, and the myth is this. The, there are many people who believe, and some parents will use this as a justification, we are divorcing for the sake of the children. It is an absolute myth to think that divorce is better for the kids than staying together now please again don't misunderstand me in there are some rare cases and they are rare where there is extreme uh, abuse and violence going on in the home we are not talking about justifying that we are not talking about turning a blind eye to that we are not in any way saying anybody should be either physically psychologically or emotionally abused and because they're married that's completely acceptable it's not it's absolutely not but the alternative is not that or divorce the alternative is that this thing needs it's broken and it needs to be fixed and it can be of course one of the things about uh, a marriage in trouble is that it's kind of like cancer because Cancer, you understand, in the human body is when cells actually do the exact opposite of what they are supposed to do. They actually start fighting each other. And in a marriage, that's exactly what's happening. The husband and the wife, the mum and the dad are fighting each other. It's, it, it is a very close parallel to cancer. But like cancer treatment, the best way to treat cancer is early Early, Get in early you've got the best chance of dealing with it and this is why I know I keep going on and on and on about it but most couples spend more time planning and preparing their wedding than they do their marriage and then they encounter these predictable, inevitable, uh, highly common difficulties and problems that every couple will face and they will they will put their hand into their their tool belt to bring out whatever tools they've got for dealing with these problems. For some, it's uh, sulk and retreat. For some, it's lash out. For some, it's um, confrontation for others, it's bottle it up and so on. So whatever is in your tool belt, your relationship tool belt is what you'll bring to the inevitable foreseeable highly predictable relationship challenges that every married couple will deal with that's what it's so critical and i guess right now i'm talking to young people perhaps you're embarking on the journey of life and down the track you are longing looking forward to the day you'll get married i, I plead with you find a pastor or a a qualified marriage counselor who knows how to prepare you for your marriage more than your wedding you will you will live to thank me you you will you'll you'll probably send me a christmas present for the or a birthday present for the rest of your life just on that piece of advice alone it it will literally save you tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in some instances because marriage breakdown can be very costly very emotionally painful. So it's really important. Now, this this was actually brought home by Four Corners last Monday night, Monday 16th of November, uh, where they did a, a very confronting report on the increased depression and anxiety rates among young children and particularly teenage children. So these... These children are reporting uh, at phenomenal rates. In, in fact, it's it's something like one in five children are now clinically depressed or suffering from ang- anxiety. And the Four Corners report said that this is almost entirely due to family breakdown, marriage breakdown. And again, you know for a long time we we may have thought these sorts of, explanations were overgeneralizations. but Four Corners uh, gave uh, anecdotal evidence they interviewed uh, clinical experts and they just showed I think convincingly that Australia is actually facing a, a, a social crisis you know while we might think that you know the, the thing that Creates wealth in our nation is the material economy, the the the, the fiscal policies of the government and so on. I, I'm actually convinced that the that the engine room of the economy is is the home. It it's, it's actually the home. And if you've seen the excellent this the wonderful TV ad by Focus on the Family, uh, where they talk about you know families should should meet at the dinner table put their phones in a basket, their, their devices in a basket, and just talk, and talk with each other. Look, that is, again, sometimes the most profound solutions sound the simplest. They sound almost simplistic. But that, I, I just totally commend uh, folks on the family for that that TV campaign. It is brilliant. It is profound. And if families just began to do that, it would have a huge impact on our entire nation. And that was, I think, very, very clearly brought home by the ABC Four Corners report. So the the other thing, too, is there there is a link between individual sexual brokenness and broken homes. What what do we mean by sexual brokenness? It's where the, the the idea, the concept of sexual activity... Is, is utterly distorted. Sex is a is a, is a very beautiful, sacred, uh, intimate expression of love that demands. Because of that, it demands the highest commitment between two people. It is the the complementary union of of a man and a woman that that demands a a a commitment that is commensurate with the privilege that they are surrendering to the other. And when you come from a a broken home, and oftentimes homes are broken because of a breach of trust, sexual infidelity, it actually sends a very distorted message about the place of sex. It, It sends the message that sex is purely, exclusively, and only about someone's happiness or pleasure, and it, it also sends a, some other messages that may be unintended, but, but those messages are read by children very loud and clear. And those messages include, if you want to be accepted, girls, you've, you've got to make yourself sexually desirable. And you, we now see uh, 12, 13, 11-year-old girls dressing com- arguably very inappropriately. So it creates identity confusion it creates self-worth doubt it 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 is regarded as a, a means of acceptance a, a way of getting attention now this is not this is not what sexuality sexuality is meant to be so broken homes tend to create individual sexual brokenness um, just before we come up to the news just wanted to say Firstly if you if you're in the middle of a major marriage crisis you perhaps you've even separated perhaps you're 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 contemplating divorce perhaps you've even started proceedings I'll just say this very few marriages are beyond rescuing very few marriages are beyond rescuing if both parties are willing to work on their marriage I would say just about any marriage can be rescued so again, I just make this point, marriage breakdown, where there's a breakdown in communication, a breakdown in trust, a breakdown in the, 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 the niceties between two people, is like cancer. The earlier it's treated, the easier and the more likely it is to be cured. Now, I want to come back after the nine o'clock news, and I'm going to count down five to one, the five things that every child needs from their parents.
0: FM for your Wednesday, time now for the nine o'clock news update. Looking mostly fine today with a top of 25. Possible showers for tomorrow and Friday, but looking mostly sunny over the weekend, which is fantastic. Now, Andrew, this morning we're discussing five things every child needs from their parents. Yeah, let's get underway
1: with this. I've, I've given the foundation, and I hope people can see now why we, we identify these five needs that every child has. And by doing that, hopefully it by by putting the foundation down that we have hopefully this now makes sense every child born to a, a mum and a dad is going to be blessed blessed with the with the the role that the mum brings to raising that child blessed with the role that the dad brings a unique uh, complementary experience that that child will have now again i i know i've said it many times but my heart goes out to single parents, whether through abandonment, whether through divorce, whether through circumstances beyond their control. I, I can I, I can say that you have twice the job that a, a couple has. You've got to be both, in one sense, mum and dad to that child, as difficult as that is. You, and you've got half the resources. So look, my heart does go out to those people who who are single parents for one reason or another and this is not a condemnation of them this is actually something that i'm saying if if you can avoid this situation then i'm pretty sure as as i have i've spoken with many single parents as much as they regard their children as a blessing they would much prefer to be in a a, a safe secure marriage relationship with someone with whom they love who loves them who can help them to raise their children so just understand that as well but here's the here's number five we're going to count down number five down to one the things that children need a child is brought into a home and that child knows nothing it's utterly dependent on its parents and so of of course that, that child's going to need certain material things it's going to need you know, food, clothing, shelter. It's going to need affection. So now I'm just assuming I am. I'm assuming that people understand that. But beyond that, here are five needs that that child is going to have, and and I'll, I'll explain how we can observe these needs intuitively and and see them. Number five is identity. Identity. It's really important for children to know who they are. It's really important for you, mum and dad to tell the stories that form their history. Let them know about your childhood. Let them know about your parents, if, if you can. L- let them meet your your parents, their grandparents. You know, when, when Kim and I arrived in Tasmania over 20 years ago, we arrived with um, a three-year-old son and a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, uh, Tyrone and Ebony, and uh, my son is now twenty four and my daughter ebony is now married uh to nathan and uh is you know twenty two going on twenty going on forty two and uh we we were blessed shortly after that with another uh two children uh we We had a little bit of tragedy in between that um, and so we're we're grateful for our four children but one of the things that we felt we we missed out on that other parents particularly um, there's there's many Tasmanian families that have the the tremendous blessing of having uh, not only parents but grandparents and even in some cases great-grandparents look that is a huge advantage for any child to be able to get an understanding of their identity to be able to understand where they've come from, both sides of their, their family tree. This is this is who mum is. This is you know her parents, her grandparents. This is why I do what I do. This is and it helps them to form identity. It's really really important that they hear the stories that form their history. That they begin to understand their genetic strengths. Um, when I think of uh, Kim's uh, dad, he was uh, an engineer. And he was somebody who was extremely good at maths and science. And my children have all displayed a propensity for maths and science. And I'm pretty sure that the genetic contribution that I brought to the equation uh, was devoid of those things. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, as I've often said to people, that the three things that I struggle in with maths is numbers and counting anyway so uh, identity also means that that they understand their strengths so parents can validate their strengths so uh, from a young age perhaps a child has sporting prowess not all children do some boys display uh, a propensity for reading and art and literature and music well that, that needs to be celebrated and that that becomes a strength and then they need to have an affirmation of their gifts and their talents and abilities this all forms a part of their identity the so that's that's the one of the foundational things that parents provide for their children and children need it now how do we, we observe this particularly with with orphans people who do not know who their biological mother and father are there is a deep desire a deep longing in them to find these things out to find out their stories to find out who they are where they've come from what was their mum like what was their dad like so this this actually highlights this this intrinsic foundational human need that every one of us as children have and even as people we have and parents help their children to form that it's a a, my sister and brother-in-law are the parents of three adopted children, so I'm the I'm the uncle to three uh, Korean children, and it's been important for them to to really work hard at this. Take the children back to Korea, uh, help them to see you know where their parents would have been raised and come from, and and so on. So it, it, it's even possible in adoption context. Here's the next one, just before we come up to music break. It's boundaries. Uh, Parents need to give their children boundaries, clear boundaries. These boundaries instruct their children. These boundaries train their children. These The boundaries that they provide also guard and protect their children. And not only do they teach their children, they help their children to learn to be resilient. So boundaries include things like um, when they're very young, uh, what they can and cannot do, what they can touch, what they cannot touch. Uh, it's really important for children to learn that that there are boundaries. There are, there are certain things they are allowed to do, certain things they're not allowed to do, certain things they're allowed to say, certain things they're not allowed to say. They, these are really important. So within the, the boundaries becomes those teaching moments that every dad should should teach his son should teach his daughter uh, this is appropriate this is inappropriate these this is the this is where the line is do not cross the line in fact stay as far away from the line as possible because there's a boundary there and we want you to be safeguarded protected rather than harmed as a result of crossing that boundary so that also, as I mentioned, helps the, helps the child, helps their children to become resilient. And when children have parents who give very clear boundaries, they stand the best chance of developing resilience in life. Now let's come back after this music break and I'm going to introduce uh, three down to one of the five things that every child needs from their parents.
0: Way FM for your Wednesday morning. Way FM for your Wednesday. Don't forget, if you'd like to listen to our discussion again, we'll be uploading it to the website a little bit later today for you to download, and you can listen at your leisure. Now, Andrew, we're talking about the five things every child needs from their parents. Now, you've shown us that parents need to give their children identity and boundaries. Now, you've got three more, Andrew. Yes, and here's the the
1: third one, it's consistency. In fact, if parents could just do this, they would dramatically improve their their parenting and the, the welfare of their children as well. Consistency involves establishing certain values. This is what we, as a family, this is how we value uh, whatever it is, whether it be honesty or whether it... And and for some people, that looks different to be... You know, there are some people who, for them, honesty looks like something. So they send that message to their children, and they're consistent in that. They're consistent in their discipline. This is really important. With boundaries, of course, there must be discipline. Boundaries are not boundaries unless there's there's consequences to those boundaries otherwise they're meaningless boundaries so that they're consistent so they know that this this will always happen so consistency in values consistency in discipline consistency in standards you know one of the things i'm really really grateful to kim for is that we have always as a family sat down at a dinner table to eat i mentioned before about the folks on the family Initiative back to the table, I think it's a great initiative. It's a very simple thing. It's very doable it's to put your phones put your phones away no no phones at the table. come to the table, no television on no nothing to distract you. Just sit down, have a meal together, and talk and ask each other how are your day is. I think this is an important opportunity for parents as particularly dads to ask their daughters, their sons. How was your day? What did you do today? Uh, and ask for highs and lows and go around the table. Okay, we're going to do highs and lows. Tell me what your highlight was. Tell me what your low light was. Uh, tell me what you're thankful for today. Give me three things you're thankful for today. Those sorts of things can happen around a dinner table and you need to be consistent with it. So don't, don't do it tonight. Go, oh, did you heard this great thing on radio this morning. Uh, I think we're going to do this from now on. You do it tonight and then it never happens again. The whole point of it is that, you, that you're that you consistent with it, consistent standards, consistent with training. Um, I, I've mentioned before that I've often taken moments with my children when they've talked about perhaps some of the difficulties that other children are going through and taken taken that moment as a, a training opportunity to say, well, look, this is why mum and dad, this is why we say you've got to have a regular bedtime. This is why your bedtime, you know, if Ruby, who's nine, her her regular bedtime at night is eight o'clock, and and we we need you in bed by eight o'clock. You need your sleep; it's really important. You know you're describing children that that don't get to bed until nine ten o'clock at night, and you're telling me that they're ratty and they're irritable and they're they're aggro at school. Well, that's why mum and dad insist that that you're in bed by eight o'clock, and that's why we we uh, enforce that as a standard. And it's not eight o'clock tonight, nine o'clock tomorrow, or seven o'clock the next day. It's, it's a consistency there. So training. And when you do that, mum and dad, it, it conveys to your children, when you're consistent, it conveys two really important things. One, reliability. And secondly, dependability. Your children can depend upon you. You you it, If your children complain that you're boring, take that as a compliment. The, I'm, I'm telling you now, on behalf of, of boring people, of which I'm one, the world needs more boring people. We don't need the spectacular, the unpredictable, the unreliable, the 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 person who's not dependable. We need people who are rock solid, consistent, who are reliable, they are diligent. They look all those boring things that your children think are boring, they need that from you. They need that consistency from you. Here's number 2, and it's a little bit counterintuitive. What do children need from their parents? Number two, they need from their mum and dad to obviously love each other. Obviously love each other. Show affection, due affection, appropriate affection to each other. Uh, your, your children should observe you hugging, giving each other a kiss, goodbye. Uh, showing those those common courtesies that... that every couple should transact with your children should observe you holding hands walking down the street your children should observe you caring for each other serving each other Uh, your children should observe you uh dads uh opening the car door for your wife opening the, the door for your wife carrying the shopping in taking the man's share of responsibility because you love and obviously love your wife they should hear you tell your wife regularly i love you they should mums that they need to hear you tell your husband i love you because it's out of the strength of your marriage that you parent and when children can see a united front and out of this obvious love for each other there's a couple of sub-clauses apart from showing appropriate affection apart from the fact that it sends a message to their children that their children are not their priority and I, this might sound like a bit of a shock when we're talking about parenting but but honestly children should not get the message that they are their parents priority they should get the message loud and clear that dad is mum's priority. Mum is dad's priority. That they their highest priority to is to is is to each other. So by doing that, it actually creates emotional security, emotional security. The heartbreaking stories we heard on the Four Corners report uh, last Monday night of children, you know, years later, you know, to 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 see a 16, 17-year-old boy beginning to weep because when he was 3 and 4, he remembers dad leaving. He remembers, he remembers the fights. He remembers the, the arguments from age three and four. And, and the pain that that inflicted on him uh, is just devastating. And it's just a crazy thing whenever I've asked parents who have gone through separation or divorce, uh, how are your children coping with it? Without exception, without exception, every parent has told me, oh, they're coping marvelously. It's really good for them. They really, they they really understand what we're doing. And when I've talked with the children, I get exactly the opposite story. That is, by the way, without exception. I I'm not overgeneralizing. I'm just reporting. So when parents obviously love each other, even though they go through difficulty, can I can I say to you, you should never regard separation as a solution to your problem. Never regard separation as a solution to your problem. You may need a little bit of distance and space throughout the day, but not overnight. Do not see separation as an answer to your problem because, firstly, it's not. Secondly, children need emotional security to know that no matter what mum and dad face, no matter what they're going through, no matter what conflict or differences they might have, they have learned to resolve them. They've learned how to apologize. They've learned how to forgive. They've learned how to talk things through. They've learned how to listen well, and they do that because, let's come back to number two, they have obvious love for each other. Each other is their highest priority, not themselves, the other person. So this is really, really super important. And let's finish up. Number one, the number one thing that parents must give their children, that uh, that children need from their parents is a sense of, big word, transcendence transcendence what does that mean it's not a word we hear regularly but it means something beyond themselves it's this is they need to understand transcendence is where they need to understand there is more to life than them there's more to life than what they can see touch taste hear or smell there is a god to whom we are all accountable this god offers us forgiveness forgiveness from our sins forgiveness from our guilt and shame this god offers to relieve us of our sins in this life so that we don't have to bear them and their penalty for eternity it is one of the highest duties of parents to introduce their children to god the sense of the transcendent you're never alone you are never alone when you face the difficulties of life You are always just one prayer away from a solution. No matter what difficulty you face, no matter how alone you feel, you can talk to God. You can pray to God. And life, if we go through each of these things, identity, boundaries, consistency, love, and transcendence, God is the epitome of each of those things. So by having God in the home, God is the one who gives a sense of identity, that we're not amoebas who one day crawled out of a mud puddle and eventually became human beings. Our identity is we're created in the image of God. We're created with certain capacities to love and to think and to feel and to choose. Capacities that reflect our creator, to be artistic, creative, caring, boundaries. God himself establishes the boundaries for life and parents simply reiterate those Uh, consistency god is the most consistent being in the universe he's utterly dependable utterly reliable and infinitely loving and that's the second point he is infinitely loving and to him we get our very definition of love and his highest expression of love was demonstrated when he sent jesus the the christmas child to earth to live and to die in our place to bear our guilt shame and sin in this life so that we don't have to carry our guilt sin and shame into the next life for eternity thus separating us from God that's the parent's highest duty to introduce their child to the transcendent and parent no matter how much you feel uh, uh, my, my mission is not to make you feel like a failure my mission is to give you hope that you are just one prayer away from becoming a new parent and even a new person, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, you you can yourself talk to this God who loves you limitlessly. And it's my prayer that you will do that. And we'd love to hear from you. If you do, you can contact us at the station. You'll find us on Facebook as well. Uh, thanks, Dave. I'll be back next Wednesday with another weekly Life Matters discussion. And I look forward to catching
0: up with you then. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrew Corbett. We'll hear Andrew again tomorrow night, of course, at 8.30 with Finding Truth Matters. And we'll have this program uploaded onto our website, wayfm.org.au. And you'll be able to download it or listen to it again absolutely free. Have yourself a wonderful Wednesday. Wayfm. good morning.